Life Audio. Welcome to the Jesus is All We Need podcast with me, your host, Jason Sotil. This is a show where we dig into the personal testimonies of people in the news, celebrities, and folks just like you and me in a way that will leave you encouraged. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Jesus is All We Need podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus is All We Need podcast. This week, we have a very special guest. We have Costi Hinn, who, if I was to give his whole bio and background, we would be here for about 20 minutes of the 30 minutes that we planned on spending together. So I'm just going to throw it out there and introduce him. Costi Hinn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate you. Oh, dude, I appreciate you. So you have a new book coming out that's going to talk in to people and explain to them who the Holy Spirit is. Would you mind giving us a little background on why you wrote this book before we start hitting some of the tougher questions? <laughs> yeah, totally. So I have always been passionate about this topic and, and all theology since I was saved. I wanted to know God and understand God. And then I became a pastor. So naturally, you know, the job is to preach the truth and then refute or correct error. Why? Because God loves his people and he wants them to be strong in the truth. And then like sheep to know where the dangers are and where the fences are and to follow him well there. So I studied and what I found, you know, not only in my own personal experience, but in research and looking at a lot of the teaching and the displays of the Holy Spirit's work out there, uh, uh, the abuse, I think, is a good word to use. Maybe excesses, uh, maybe some scripture twisting is another kind of phrase I would use, but also way too much ignorance. It was heartbreaking, uh, not just to pick on the false stuff or the way people do things that are sort of outlandish, but man, I found a, a study put out by the, the research center over at Arizona Christian University. I'm a pastor here in Chandler, Arizona, and so kind of near and dear to our hearts and right here in our backyard. So uh, Arizona Christian puts out this study, and they find this astronomical number, you know, like some 60% or right close to 60%, I think it was 58, uh, don't really believe in the Holy Spirit or understand him or think he's God. And I'm going, man, that's a big deal. We've got to get that right. And then right. Uh, looking at some other research by put out by Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries, like R.C. Sproul and some other people, there were some pretty disturbing findings about what people believe regarding the Holy Spirit. Some people think he's just a mystical force. He's sort of out there. And I mm -hmm. get I get that. I understand why people might be confused because, number one, the Father, the term, the Father, not difficult to understand, sometimes hard to grasp when we have you know bad earthly fathers or abusive earthly fathers or bad relationships mm -hmm. with earthly fathers. And so we, we want to navigate knowing him. But in general, the idea of a father, pretty good. Uh, Jesus, the Son, came to earth took on flesh. We're going, okay, Jesus, I got that. The Holy Spirit, though, we don't view him as, as a person very often. So people will call him an it, you know, and, and not right. really refer to him as a person. So begin to see a lot of that and understand it more with, with data, not just experience. And mm -hmm. man, my heart was burning. I just thought, I want to write a book on this topic. I really hope it helps people. I want to take 
a doctrine. It's called pneumatology, like the Greek word pneuma means spirit. I want to take the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and kind of bring the cookies down from the top shelf. That's the way I am. I'm a simple guy, so I need it. I need it in simple terms. And I thought, what if I wrote a book that was really simple and then practical with application at the end of each chapter and maybe some questions for people in their small groups or their own Bible study? And Because we got to get the doctrine of the Holy Spirit right. Mm-hmm. Not a less than. He's an equal member of the Trinity. If you get him wrong, we're going to get salvation wrong, our understanding and relationship with God wrong. Like This isn't secondary stuff about, you know, spiritual gifts. There's some aspects of that in there, but like, you know, a Pentecostal and a Reformed guy should both get the essentials right. Yes. And so I'm going for that, man. Dude, that's so cool, man. And when you talk about simplistic terms, I, I love that you're trying to bring it that way because sometimes what I've learned through my studies is I look at some teachings on doctrine and bro, I'm lost. I get really lost right away because I haven't given the gifts and the abilities to just read it right out of someone's book or through the Bible and pull it all together. And to have someone like you break it down for us in a way that we can understand is a huge blessing on so many levels. And one thing that I've learned my many, many years of being in the fire department, and let's be honest, I was an atheist until I was 28 years old. But looking back, even before that, man, I can now look at scripture and see times in my life that the Holy Spirit, he was working, calling, pulling, doing that kind of stuff, man. So it's such a blessing because I do see it so often. People will say, pray for my health, pray for this. And, And I sometimes don't know how to explain it because I'm like, I don't want to be rude and say, well, I really don't care about your health on earth. I don't care about your money. Bro, I'm worried about your salvation. I want you eternally in heaven with the Father, you know, and stuff. And so so let's talk about that. When people talk about, hey, I want to pray for my wealth and my finances and everything I have going on, how do we deal with that when bringing the Holy Spirit into the conversation? Oh, it's so good. Uh, I think that because he works through conviction, And he certainly, the Bible says, Jesus says this in John 16, he will convict. And that idea of a heart piercing, uh, you know, gut wrenching, feeling like I got to change or that's true or I needed that. You know, sometimes we'll leave church and Mm -hmm. maybe we went in a little feisty, a little frustrated or just not really into it. And we get it back. We get in the car. Let's say it's a husband and a wife. And let's say the husband, Mm -hmm. it it will blame us. You know, we were being feisty that morning and we get in the car after we look over at our wife. We're like, man, I, I, she can almost finish our sentence. Oh yeah. You needed that. Yeah. I needed that. I feel so much better. I feel so convicted. And what do we do? We course correct. Well, in the same way, the Holy Spirit will use us in each other's lives. And of course, when we're speaking the truth of God's word to exhort one another or to be iron sharpening one another. And maybe if it's me caught up in earthly pursuits, not that those are bad things. Those are good things. We, we should be wise with our money. We should be good stewards. We should be concerned for our family. We should care for our family. Proverbs 6, 6 says, go to the ant, O sluggard. You know, go prepare for times ahead. So planning is good. And being faithful. Recreation is good. The idea of, of recreating, the idea of just going in and getting out of your normal and having a scenario where you're resting and you get your eyes off the day-to-day and your eyes on Christ and we're refreshed. That's all good. But when our eyes get too focused on our health, our wealth, our happiness, the externals, 
you know, the Holy Spirit works through the word and through the exhortations of others to say, hey, brother, you know, you've got your eyes on the things of this world, maybe a little too often based on what you're sharing with me, or it seems like you're holding on with a pretty tight grip, or it seems like you're very, very focused on this, but not that. And the Holy Spirit uses that. And how does he do that? Well, he's baptized us into the body of Christ. He has sealed us in Christ and together with one another. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's caused us to be alive with Christ and with one another. He's made us one. We're literally one in the body of Christ. And so we're attached, whether we like it or not. I know some people will say like, man, I I, I love Jesus. I just hate the church. Or, you know, I love Jesus. I just can't stand people. No, the Holy Spirit breeds unity and he bonds us together. So I think his work is very much a part of Mm -hmm. our day to day where we might go, Hey, let's get our eyes off these things. And then the last thing I'll, I'll throw at you is this Jesus in John 16, verse 14, talking about the Holy Spirit's work. And he says to his disciples, he'll disclose things to you. He's going to help you. There's all these promises. And then he goes, he will glorify me, which means Jesus says the Holy Spirit his ministry is not about, you know, what you can get from him for yourself. It's not putting the spotlight on a man. It's not putting the spotlight on more stuff or a better life where he's just going to make you feel good about you. No, 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 no. His purpose is to bring glory to Christ. So we should actually pray, Holy Spirit, today, help me get my eyes off the things of this world. Stop worrying about these things and to do what I must do faithfully. But to bring glory to Christ today. Help me to focus on him. That is how we should look at our relationship with the Holy Spirit for sure. Dude, that is so good, man. Because before we even came on, I was talking to you about a couple of things I have going on and, you know, some fears that, that hit me and how I work with them. And one of them is we're moving into production to, to make a story of my conversion. And there's a, I started really freaking out. I'm not joking about going, Oh my gosh, the money that it could take. And then I started thinking the money could be used for better things. And we're doing this. Okay. And then I went into prayer and I sat with my elders and I sat with my pastor and, and we sat in the word and soaked it in and looked for the answers through the Holy Scriptures. And out of simplistic terms, what I kind of felt him telling me through all of that is, hey, I'm not, I'm not plucking the apple, if you will, but I'm, I'm plucking this out of Hollywood then I'm saying, how can I use this to honor you, to glorify you and bring more people to you? And how can I do it in a way that's done proper? And I actually felt a sense of peace. But yep. as you know, no sooner do you get that sense of peace and this flesh kind of likes to take over and go back in freak out mode. <laughs> Praise God for the scriptures, because that's where I really find it is when I'm sitting in the scriptures and searching for the answers and, and sitting with him, the Holy Spirit, God and Christ are all there with me, is where I actually find peace in that. But what I always convict people to is it's not like a one and done. And the last thing mm-hmm. I'll throw out there about that is like, when I came to Christ, a lot of people know my story that I was a really angry fireman working in West Oakland. I grew up in an abusive household. And even in chapter two, right out of the gate in my book, I curse a pastor out of the firehouse. It wasn't him I was cursing out of the firehouse. It was my hatred for all the goodness that was pouring out of him. But anyways, people will say, Jason, when you came out of that fire and, and you finally said, wow, it became real. It's not like it was an I believe or this. I don't know. It just all became real because this stuff that I thought was a fake book called the Bible, everything started to become real. And then I started growing. They're like, were you, were you 
did, was everything awesome right then? I'm like, no, that wasn't, man. I'm <laughs> no, still man. going to murder in West Oakland. I was going to shootings and, and everything. But I now had clarity. I now had clarity of why I was, you know, as opposed to going, okay, this makes yeah. sense. Sin, the struggles and everything. So, so I just want to throw okay. that out there because how you clarify that is absolutely amazing. That being said, could we talk maybe about your early years in your yeah. faith, if you will, or what may or may not have been your faith? Yeah, I believe that I was a false convert. So that, you know, some people maybe, you know, are like, oh, man, that, you know, how do you know? And I would say, well, I, I had the gospel wrong. I believed that the gospel, I believed in what I would coin, or I didn't coin it, but I would say it this way. That the prosperity gospel and gospel is in quotes because it, it ain't good news. It's bad news. But it's the idea that, you know, following Jesus and having enough faith and, and putting your trust in him will, will save you. Like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But then really what you get is you get health, wealth, and happiness. You're going to have a great life. I had a really skewed understanding of God and his attributes and his character he was like a puppet on a string, and I was the puppet master. I could declare and decree whatever I wanted and just say in Jesus' name, and I believed that I deserved to have it. Uh, I taught and believed that uh, healing and salvation were a package deal. Like, you just have faith in Christ, and you'll be saved. Well, just have enough faith, and you'll get healed. Didn't he die for your sickness? Didn't he die for your prosperity? Didn't he die for your blessing and the abundant life? So I viewed John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly as like, I get to live like LeBron. <laughs> if that was the idea, right. Uh, right. well, that's not the true gospel and that's not a true understanding of God. So the Holy Spirit as well was like a mystical force. And in, in a couple of ways, we, we misrepresented him one with a very forceful relationship decreeing and declaring and, and almost bossing him around. Uh, very, very kind of messy stuff. And then over here, I would say uh, a, a very sort of abusive manipulation of the Holy Spirit's work to, to do that same thing to people. So we would say, you know, if you come against us or if you speak against us or if you don't do as you're told – it's going to be like Ananias and Sapphira and then, you know, curses came upon them. They died mm -hmm. and they were cursed by God right, right there. And they lied to the Holy right. Spirit. That's what Peter said. So even some of what I just said is, is not true at all. That'd be very, very bad application of Correct. Acts chapter five. But we took his work and we twisted it and used it to spiritually abuse people. I was younger. I was a kind of a follower in it. But had mm -hmm. I continued on my path the way I was, was a bit of an heir apparent. My my uncle, my father, the family ministry was. I was the oldest cousin and very much kind of groomed in that to lead it out. Mm -hmm. And so, had I continued on that path, uh, we would not be sitting on the podcast like this. You'd probably be True. doing episodes about some crazy guy named Costi Hinn who keeps twisting the scriptures and and having right. to call me out. That was the path right. I was on. So naturally, I'm pretty passionate about the truth on this topic. Mm -hmm. That's so good, man. And and I, I also love how, you know, God uses our testimony to give us passion into certain subjects. Yeah. So for me, I find my passion is walking in the dark for 28 years 
and truly experienced it where I became a fireman at the age of 18. And I was never rich, but I was never poor. I was able to have a house, a truck, a boat, the life, you know, and and for young men listening out there, don't take this the way I'm putting it. But, you know, women loved us. We were this image, right? But what I say is I threw all of that inside of me looking for happiness and the darkness inside me would tear it up like a black hole make it worse. And I would still be searching for something more. So then I started thinking, okay, if I become a fireman and I work harder and I'm, I'm saving lives, if you will, and pulling people out of fires, now I'm going to start feeling okay. And again, emptiness set back in to a point where my life almost ended, you know? And, and so I use that testimony to speak into that area because let's be honest, we were really called to certain areas and you do become a pro in that area, if you will, you yeah. know, as a. Now, how would you explain the Holy Spirit to someone? And I'll two part that. And how would they grow to learn more about him? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say that there are three foundational beliefs, three essential beliefs that we should all believe and then embrace, meaning we should act on these. Number one, he is God. And there's a big kind of front-loaded part of the book where I make it clear. His deity is all over the scriptures. He's there in the beginning. He's there throughout the scriptures. You can look across the whole of the Bible and go, there he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. He's God. And so number one, he is God. So we should view him that way. Number two, he is a person. He absolutely possesses the attributes of a quote unquote person, like not a human, but a person. He has personhood. The Bible uh, says that he indwells, he baptizes, he fills. He actually feels. The Holy Spirit has emotions or feelings. How do we know that? Well, in Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, grieving is this idea of, of just being knotted up over something. It's not good. It's egregious. And so he can grieve. Well, that's not an it. That's not a mystical force. Uh, right. It's not merely the wind. You can't grieve the wind. You can't make the wind have a feeling. He's a person. So he's God. He is a person. And then the third thing, and this is kind of feeding out of those, is he is personal. Or you might say he's approachable. You say, why is that an essential belief, Costi? I would say, well, because if he's God and he's a person, well, you need to have a relationship with him. He's personal. You need to view him that way. He, if you're a believer, hasn't dwelt you. He's not going anywhere. You're not going to make him mad and run away on you. He's not going to say, well, I'm done with you now. You sinned. I'm out. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 says that actually the Holy Spirit's been given as a pledge. The idea there, Paul says, a seal, meaning you've been marked by God. He saves you, not on your own works. You don't, you don't save yourself. And guess what? You don't do works to keep yourself saved. The Holy Spirit's right. got you. He's holding on to you. He's sealed you, and he'll keep you. So he's personally involved in your day-to-day. -day. You don't mm -hmm. just acknowledge the Father or the Son. You also acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And then check this out. He's bearing fruit in us. Galatians 5. Verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But one of the most fun things I like to, to tell people is we know the fruit of the Spirit, or maybe we hear about that, and we think, oh, I love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that. Well, just a few verses prior, Paul is talking about the deeds of the flesh. You mentioned already the flesh and the Spirit. 
and walking by the Spirit versus walking by the deeds of the flesh. And what does he say? He says, walk by the Spirit. The Greek word that he uses there, it's one of my favorite Greek words in the Bible, is peripateo. It means to be preoccupied with. Well, mm. how, how, why, why is that important? Well, he's personal. He's involved in your life. And guess what? When you and I are tempted to the deeds, feelings, and thoughts of the flesh, when you're giving back into fear and going right back to worry, and when I'm holding on with a tight fist going, I've got to this and this. Well, hold on now. I go back to my personal relationship with the Holy Spirit who has filled me and indwelt me, and I say, help me to be preoccupied with the things of you. That's God's will. So now the fruit of the Spirit makes sense because that's what's coming out of me when I'm preoccupied with the things of the Spirit. So personal relationship with him is so key. He is God. He is a person. And he is personal. If we get those three as our baseline, it will change your life and the way you relate to the Holy Spirit. Oh, amen, bro. That's so good. And what I love about you breaking that down is I truly believe there are people that are spirit-driven but they haven't spent enough time learning. And mm-hmm. the way that I kind of explain that sometimes is the Holy Spirit be like, okay, Jason, this is what's in front of you. We're going to confront it, hit it. Now, Jason goes charging like a fireman, gung-ho to the top of the mountain, right? I'm knocking down trees, doing what I need. I'm at the top of the mountain. Then I get up there and it's quiet. I'm like, yo, Holy Spirit, where are you? And he's like, eh, you know, I'm back down here at the 1,000 foot mark. Do you sometimes find that, the Christians, maybe even newer Christians, if you will, get so excited about the faith and what they've learned that they just go charge into the top of the hill and they fall, not that they're falling out of faith by anything like that, but they, no. they kind of fall away from the word and the proper teachings. Yeah. So the, the best description of this to, to help us all and what you're saying is not, not at all off. I mean, we all go through that. Right. Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the way that he's saying that, he's not just he's not talking about drinking. That's not the whole point. Uh, right. The idea of being filled with the Spirit is this verb that's an ongoing verb. So like be being filled, like keep being filled by the Spirit. And what does that mean and what does that look like? Why is that verse so important to what you just described? Well, it's being yielded to him. Mm. It's being submissive to him. It's being, if you want to use kind of a, It's not a very manly word, but it's a good word, sensitive to him, meaning what? I'm thinking about what he wants, what his will is. And I might be ready to charge the hill. However, I am going to think and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask for his direction. And I'm going to say, Lord, Father, Holy Spirit, God, I want to take that mountain. I'm ready to go. Would you help me along the way to be yielded to you, to be sensitive to what you've said in your word, to be obedient? And so what this is, is it's strength under control. It's the idea of meekness. That, that's how we take the mountain. We don't hold back at all, but we are yielded to him. And that, I think for new believers, honestly, let's... I don't want to just say new believers for all of us. Right. I go through this. I right. just went through this a couple of weeks ago. It's, I was excited. I feel like, okay, that's God's will. It's in the word. Let's mm-hmm. roll. Boom, boom, boom. And I start just going. You type A driven leaders do that. And mm-hmm. men that have a mission, we just do it. Mm-hmm. You learn time and time again to slow down, to pray, to consult wise counsel. And then 
usually that rubs up against our our drive, which is how we know we're doing the right thing. Uh, we we need to check in with others and be submissive and yet tenacious. And so I would encourage if you're watching this, you're a new believer, you just think I keep I keep charging the hill and I bushwhack the thing and the path is made and I look around but I'm, I'm just there alone and I don't I look back and I maybe left a little a little chaos right. behind me. Well, probably you know shot for the right thing, but right. you need to be more yielded, more prayerful, more sensitive, and more obedient to the way, not not the what but the way the Holy Spirit would have you operate. So we always say this around like our church and our teams. Mm-hmm. It's not usually the what, the how. It's not mm-hmm. what you say, it's how you say it. It's not, it's not what you're doing. Yeah, take the hill. Well, right. how are you taking it? So not Dude. the what, it's the how. We need his help. Bro, you nailed that so good, man. That's going to lead into kind of the next uh, topic. So in the fire department, when we show up to a fire and you're sitting, you got this blazing inferno in front of you and it's, you know, West Oakland is an old city full of poverty. And as we know where poverty is, it has its own uh, issues that come along with it, sinful issues. Not that it's worse than anywhere else in a nicer neighborhood or something, but it's there. So when we pull up in front of that, that house that's breathing fire, people would always ask me like, Jason, would you pray? And I'll be honest with you, like, not at that exact moment, but hear me out. We showed up to that fire well-equipped, surrounded by a group of courageous individuals who we would also rely on their strengths for where we were weak. And so when I'm explaining that, I said, this is why it is so important to fill your heart with scripture daily, hourly, even minute when needed, you know, but I encourage everyone to be in the Holy Scriptures and studying them. So when we're encountered with that breathing, raging inferno, that this fallen world full of pain is guaranteed to send our ways, even if you're not a firefighter in in different ways, we're ready to confront it. And then people will say, well, I go at it alone. And you nailed it right there. Don't go out alone. The church is amazing at teaching doctrine, scripture, how we should live it out and stuff. But one thing I think that we could try a little harder at too is the discipleship. So those new believers have someone to fall back onto while they're growing in Christ. So again, I commend you for that. And where I was going to lead with that is... How does the Holy Spirit help us understand the Word of God? Oh, such a good question. So he works through illumination, and the doctrine of illumination is just like you could probably hear the root word in it, illumine. He opens our eyes. He makes it click. I call these the light bulb moments for people. You just, you're looking at the Bible. I mean, you had this. You were an atheist, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's there. I had this moment where I came to the Word of God and I just thought, well, that's always been there? Where has that been? You know, the classic line that so many people say is, I just, I've read the Bible so much, but I never saw that. Or they'll say, I never saw that like this. Right. The Holy Spirit does that. He is the teacher. He is the illuminator. He is the one who makes the scriptures both believable and understandable. What do I mean by that? Well, believable. Look, there are Oxford or some, you know, you pick your most prestigious institution. Academic professors, geniuses, men much smarter than us who Mm -hmm. interact with the Bible every day and teach things and analyze things that aren't saved 
and that don't believe, and yet they're interacting mm-hmm. with the Word of God. So you say, wow, it's powerful, right. and the veracity of God's Word. How, how? It, you go, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't opened their eyes. The Pharisees right. interacted with God's law, too, but Jesus right. called them blind guides. Pretty pretty heavy stuff. So you go, all right, so the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to even believe that it is right. the inerrant, inspired Word of God. And then we go, well, if it's from God, and I believe that, well, now I need it. So he gives us the hunger. And as we're reading, I would say, don't ever, so here, I'm going to front load this heavy, don't ever read the Scriptures without prayer. Why? Well, prayer is the key to understanding the Scriptures. I don't study the Scriptures for a sermon without prayer. I don't go into Mm -hmm. preach without prayer. I, I... Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite quotes ever, he said, is, I'd rather teach 10 men to pray than one, or, sorry, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Why? So good. Because he believed in the power of prayer. He used to call the uh, prayer room at the Metropolitan Tabernacle their their heating plant, like their boiler room, and it was where Ooh. people went to pray for the services. He would... He held prayer in such high regard. It was the key to everything, not merely the preaching, not merely the reading, but prayer is our power source. And so the Holy Spirit works through that. Ask him to give you understanding. Ask him to give you even discipline and focus to study and to read it. He doesn't uh, skip steps in a way where you can just look at the Bible and be like, ah, the Holy Spirit will teach me. I'm just going to say whatever comes to mind. Now we're running up to the hill again. Remember without right. his help and without him around, we don't, I don't just wing it. I'm not going to wing it this Sunday and go, well, I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need study. No, he uses faithful study. He uses prayer and he uses the word. He opens our eyes and helps us understand it. And then uses others as well to come alongside us and disciple us in the scriptures and just like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, he's going, hmm. And Philip basically in today's vernacular says, hey, what you reading? He's like, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah, this scroll. And Philip shows him Christ from Isaiah. You could say, well, the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he just needs the Holy Spirit. He'll be fine. Who cares? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Philip helped him. And he goes and gets baptized and gets saved. So right. all of that, or he gets saved and then goes and gets baptized. So all of that is a good, helpful reminder that the Holy Spirit is who we need. He gives us the hunger. He makes the scriptures make sense. And he uses others in our life to help us understand the word of God. He's totally active in our study of scripture. Oh, I love that, man. I am so excited about this book, man. I mean, I just can't wait for it to get it in people's hands. I've already been through a couple chapters and I'm taking a trip to Southern California later today and I plan on spending some uh, time in it. But, you know, Kasi, we could go on. I mean, it's like the Gospels. It's never ending. It's unlimited. The depths are so there that I just feel we could spend so much time on this topic because so many people will, will contact me and ask me a question. What I love is how you broke it down is, you know what? Let's let's have an understanding first before getting into something. Just like, you know, let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us the understanding. Because people will say, Jason, pray to me. Pray for me. Pray for pray to me. Sorry, we'll delete that out there. Pray for me. <laughs> I, I know too much coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah. I know what you, you know mean. I'm at the top of the mountain is sometimes. But anyways, let's <laughs> say pray for me. And I will say, let's first I want to explain to you what prayer really is and how it works. Because if I'm, I'm not taking, I'm above God, the Holy Spirit, Christ, I'm not him. 
But I also believe he's put me in a position sometimes to quiet the noise of this loud world that's just spewing lies all the time. And if I can just sit with someone for a moment and explain to them where they're hearing what the true teachings are, then we get into prayer. Not that I'm making prayer more effective, but it's more effective because they now have an understanding. Yeah. And, and you know, that that's just a huge thing. And like miracles, people will always ask me for a sign or a miracle that I saw in the fire department. And one thing that'll blow people's minds is I've never written about one miracle that I saw in West Oakland because in my heart, I feel it'll take away first off for maybe someone who quote, wasn't provided with one. It's going to break their heart and soul. Why oh, their yeah. family member died. Number two, I'm still not sure. I mean, God's sovereign in all aspects, you know, and I know it's fully him, but I also know he gave me gifts and abilities as a paramedic to help people too and stuff. And, and he created science and I brought his science to the patient, try to save them. But I just won't speak on those because I truly feel it dilutes the biggest miracle of all, which I truly believe is conversion coming from dark to light, you know, and I never want that diluted. And, and I just love how this book is going to break it down. So anyways, as we wrap up here, normally I say, okay, give us your handlebars or whatever they're called. Sorry, I'm not a social media guy. The bars and all this. Handlebars. Dude, those, so are good. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> those are going to be in the notes and stuff. What I want to do is just give you uh, whatever time you want here to, to tell people what's on your heart about this and what you want them to know from, from your book. Yeah, I would hope that no matter where you are on some of the debated issues like spiritual gifts or speaking in tongues or uh, some other aspect of the Holy Spirit's work, that there is so much we can and should agree upon. And the book is written that way. We should all kind of hang out and get along for the first like six chapters. And then maybe in chapters seven and eight, when we get into like spiritual gifts, uh, people go, well, yeah, I'm there with you, or I'm not. Even the way I deliver the, those chapters is with a, an irenic kind of heart and uh, a goal of going, hey, here's here's what I want to lay out. Um, assess this. You know, Look at this through the lens of Scripture. Uh, there's a chapter on worship, and it, there's sort of a word to both camps, if you will, the like hyper-emotional, uh, you know, loosey-goosey maybe approach, and then also the the reformed stoicism, like, you know, you, you have to stand there like a robot and just read the words on the screen or else everyone's going to accuse right. you of being a crazy charismatic. Like I speak right. to both of those camps and, and try to help us all come to a balance and encourage us into balance. And then uh, there's a, a chapter on, you know, titled, does the, does the spirit speak? And I want to help people understand the voice of God and how he speaks and what you can rely on and depend on. And all of that, you know, maybe people have different experiences or different thoughts. I still uh, believe it will be sharpening and helpful. Then there's a chapter on the unity of the spirit. I tell everyone, don't miss that. Get through the book and get to that chapter on unity because there is something there for all of us. And that's my hope and my prayer that on the other side of the book, when someone reads it, they are more clear on the Holy Spirit. They're more excited to have a strong biblical relationship with him. And then also, we know how to interact and how to walk in unity together on a doctrinal subject that often gets veered into just debate. And there is so much that we can agree on and relish in with regard to his work. The ultimate thing being, going to help us glorify Christ. We all need to do that and want to fulfill our purpose as believers. So that's my hope, brother. 
Wow, that's so good. All right, and I'm going to put you on the spot one last time. Would you mind praying us out of this episode? Oh, absolutely. Father, thank you so much for your kindness to us through the gospel and that you would know us, love us, that you would call us and save us. You would send your son Jesus to die for us. We praise you and thank you for uh, the glory uh, of the gospel. Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us and inviting us into discipleship. I pray that we would be faithful as your church. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry. We want to honor and we want to revere you. And we want to see you uh, enable us to glorify Christ. And so please bear your fruit in us. I pray that people listening would be more invigorated to understand your work in the right way and that it would silence the noise and some of the confusion that is out there. And that ultimately we would be more yielded to you so that we would bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Do that, I pray, in his matchless name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor, we super appreciate you, and thanks for coming on. Grateful for you, brother. Keep up the good work. I hope you found this episode as encouraging as I did. Be sure to click the like, subscribe, or whatever button you see that will notify you of future shows because we have some awesome guests lined up that you're not going to want to miss. Until next week, remember this, my friends. Jesus is all we need. I love you guys. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. So head on over to lifeaudio.com and check them out. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.